Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Patrick. And welcome to another uh, edition here of Cave to the Cross Apologetics. And we're working our way through Greg Bonson's book, Against All Oppositions, Defending the Christian Worldview, is what he's looking at. And so in this chapter seven, we've kind of, we're going to, we've started the first part of it. So this is the second part. We actually get to the worldviews in chapter seven, right? And he's laying out various worldviews and kind of explaining them for us so that uh, we know we have a background so that we can get a, you know, know how to deal with these various worldviews. And so he's kind of broken them down into three main kinds. So first, with regard to the nature of reality, he says there's a worldview that holds to the things that exist are only spiritual, non-physical, non-material. And then there are things that are both physical and material, right? That's dualism. So the first one is uh, spiritual monism. Then th that moan means one. Then, then dualism, that's we have both the, the spiritual and the material. And then finally, he, what he calls uh, materialistic atomism, which is uh, only the physical. And so he's been working his way through the various kinds of, of um, uh, atomistic materialism. And we saw several kinds last time. Where he is now is he's talking about... Um, uh, an atomism that believes in free will. So the first kind of atomism, one kind of atomism, uh, doesn't believe in free will. That was, uh, you know, uh, behavioralism and Marxism, right? And now we're looking at an atomism that is materialistic atomism. The physical world is only is the only thing that exists. There's no non-physical spiritual world, and so. Uh, what is the uh, materialistic atomism that believes in free will? Well, he calls it, he says, actually, there are two kinds here, hedonism and egoism. And so he says a hedonistic form, uh, and he says these are kind of overgeneralizations, but he, he, he's going to, you know, he's going to work with these anyway, because they'll get him, they'll help, you know, help us to see what he's talking about here. So uh, a hedonistic form of free will, he says, uh, is that we live for one thing or we live for another thing. And then, of course, there are arguments over, you know, what is it that we should live for? So the egoist, he says, uh, indicates that we should exercise our free will for our own benefits, our own personal benefits, whatever will get us ahead, says the egoist, right? Uh, you know, the uh, whatever is best for me, that's what I should uh, work toward says the egoist. So that's uh, it's a uh, materialistic, atomistic position. And but uh, you do have free will and your free will is to be exercised in what benefits you, says the egoist. Mm -hmm. Right. And as as we as we jump through the the kind of three areas, we we can kind of see uh, the, the value of of the classification that he has here is, you know, with, with the monist, he, he you you have to deal with reality i mean it, it's it seems very hard to to uh, uh uh come up with a concept that everything is just an illusion and uh you know the, the people die and people uh uh change and people have hard uh lives and other people don't uh so you're just saying that that's all kind of an illusion and then uh with the uh, kind of spiritualist and materialist person uh you uh are still questioning well 
uh, you know, without, without a God, you know, we're, we're coming at these from, from a non-Christian point of view here, uh, you know, well, what is, what does spiritual mean? And so we have to, we have to kind of think of those things because, uh, we're, we're trying to find, uh, where we, uh, deviate. And so, um, even, even questions of the physical, uh, are, are need to be approached here. And here you have, uh, only the physical. And so you come up uh, against things in the physical world that uh, people uh, kind of almost take for granted and they go, well, you know, what about you as a person? Uh, you, you are different from your, your brother, uh, but you come from the same person. So how does your personality uh, exist and how does uh, things like love exist? And how does, how does you going out through throughout your day? How do you, how do you do those things? And so that, that's the benefit that we can already start to see here and especially talking about uh, hedonism and e egoism here is that uh, uh, focusing on choice is a very uh, good avenue to take on on um, on having a, a, a more full picture of of uh, putting somebody into uh, a, a proper category of the worldview so that way we can talk to them on their level to have this internal critique and so uh, uh, ho hopefully you're, you're seeing that with, uh, uh, what's being covered here. So all that to say then, uh, that, uh, if, uh, those who aren't, uh, egoist or hedonist, uh, ultimately become, uh, unitarianism or utilitarianism, uh, th th those are not, uh, egoist or, or uh, uh, they're, or hedonist, uh, they, this, uh, utilitarian says that you should do what is best what is the best interest of the most amount of people or the uh, the most people or other people the greatest happiness for the greatest number is what should govern free will so there exists free will and so when you come up to a particular decision what you should or ought to do which should be some key points right there uh, is to say well what would make the most amount of people happy or what would uh, be best for the the most amount of people so, uh, you know, as uh, the, the, the world's coming to an end by aliens and they want a sacrifice of a one uh, newborn child, should we do it? <laughs> well, we sacrifice the one baby for, uh, you know, seven uh, billion people uh, on Earth and then the aliens go away. Uh, uh, good. Yeah. We do so, that? yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, notice the egoist has to is focused on me, the individual, and the utilitarian is focused on um, you know, everybody else involved. And so the, the egoist says what's best for me in terms of my ability to make decisions. I'm not determined, right? My actions are determined. The utilitarian says what's best for everybody involved. And again, actions aren't determined uh, under the utilitarian uh, kind of rubric that he's given us. Um, but they're based on what is the greatest good for the greatest number. Right. Uh, democracy, um, uh, locking people up so uh, people have free will. Uh, they, they know the repercussions to their actions and they uh, violate um, uh, other people's happiness or free will. And so that's when you have to um, lock them away because they're responsible for their actions because they have free will. And also this is the, the, the greatest happiest for the greatest amount of people. You don't want that person uh, interfering with uh, one or more people, they've already done so. And so we have to uh, remove them from society, at least for a time, uh, maybe forever, depending on uh, the the extent of it. And so uh, here, um, uh, uh, democratic humanist would be, would be this uh, utilitarian uh, uh, point of view um, uh, avenue. 
But uh, then there's uh, extent, existentialism, and this is kind of the final one with under the category of hedonism uh, or the free will understanding of materialistic atomism is, uh, is externalism. Externalism stresses the freedom of man so much that according to the existentialists, nothing governs what you will be. You come into this world as an existent, and then you will be able to choose what you do. And so, um, uh, you know, th this this is um, this is uh, uh, you know Sartre's uh, uh, model for those who have read him. Right, right. In fact, that's what he tells us here. The existentialist, then, in terms of uh, you know free will, is uh, you know it, it goes to the extreme, right? For the existentialist. Uh, you don't do uh, what you do because of what the school teacher told you or the priest or the pastor or the parents. You do what you do because you choose it. And in your choosing, you determine who you are, right? Existentialism has a radical doctrine, he says, of freedom. And as you mentioned here, uh, you know, you first exist and then you choose your essence. The famous existentialist philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre uh, put it, existence precedes essence, right? And so, you know, generally we think of, uh, uh, so the way Sartre argues here is that, uh, you know, most, we generally think that things have an essence, right? For instance, there's a, uh, when someone goes to build a house, there's a blueprint. Well, that's what the house is gonna look like. That's the essence of the house. And then based on the essence, they bring the house into existence. Sartre says, no, life is really just the opposite of that. We kind of come into existence. We have no idea who we are, or what we are, or what we're going to be, or anything like that. And then our choices determine who we are, our essence. So existence precedes essence, is what uh, Sartre was attempting to say here. So choices are, are everything for the existentialists. They, again, determine who you are. So you'll be whatever you are or whoever you are. It's based on uh, what you choose, says the existentialist. Right. And uh, so uh, last time we talked about uh, uh, kind of the matrix being the, the monism uh, uh, viewpoint of, of kind of um, uh, growing and being able to, to kind of uh, uh, see reality better the third matrix movie for those who uh <laughs> may have uh gotten there and and been able to get past the uh uh all the cool special effects for their time uh you know the the idea of uh why do you choose to fight is the the big question at the at the end and the uh, you know neo says because i choose to so mm. it's it's not the it's not the program that he was conditioned to yes he's the one but why does he continue to fight even though uh, his loved one is dead and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Zion's going to fall. Why does he choose to continue to fight against uh, unimaginable odds? Because Agent Smith has taken over everything within the Matrix. And uh, the, the great line, the one great line in the whole movie is uh, because I choose to. And so uh, th th that's Neo being coming the existentialist. <laughs> so th the thing that distinguishes these uh, three basic schools of philosophy is their view of the nature of reality. It is the is it one or is it spiritual? Is it two mind or 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 what we call spirit and body, or is it one but it's material made up of these kind of little bits and that's that's all there is there, and there's nothing spiritual about it. These are the distinctions: matter or spirit or both, many things or one thing. If you get uh, that that grid set up in your mind, is what Bonds is saying. Uh, just about any view you encounter is going to fall into one of those categories, whether they use this vocabulary or not. And uh, uh, when we went through Nancy Piercy's um, 
uh, a, a book, Finding Truth. Uh, this is the, you know, that this is the box. This is the people that this, uh, the, the box sits in front of everyone and they try to fit everything within the entirety of the known universe or the unknown universe into this box. And there are people that want to close the lid before uh, everything gets in. And so they leave right. it out and we, we have to say, oh, yeah, there's no such thing as free will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, or, or uh, you don't really have love and, or, uh, th or, uh, the, the, the baseball flying at you that hit you and, and caused you never to play baseball again when you were six, uh, th that that's out the window and, and th that didn't really happen to you, but I'll tell you uh, really what happened to you. So you just thought it was, or you didn't leave a good enough life. And so you experienced this pain, uh, uh, that, uh, that, that, uh, showed you that you're going to uh, become the next, uh, uh, sacred cow, uh, literally for, <laughs> for in your next life. Right. Good. So now what Bonson does is he makes a cut in terms of uh, the, the major idea that he's talking about. He's been dealing with metaphysical issues, the nature of reality. Right. And he says, is reality spiritual? Uh, is reality physical and spiritual or is reality only physical? Right. So he's been asking questions with regard to that and care. Uh, categorizing various positions with regard to that question. What he moves to now is kind of a different kind of question, right? He says that uh, there's one other option that is distinguished from these basic uh, three that we've been looking at, not on the basis of their view of the nature of reality, but on the basis of their view about whether you can know anything for sure about alternate reality. So he's moving from metaphysical questions into what we call epistemological questions, questions with regard to knowledge, right? And so he says this fourth basic school of philosophy, he's going to call pragmatism or skepticism. Yeah. So the pragmatic or the skeptic is the philosopher who watches all these schools of thought and argues, who cares? <laughs> like, who, who really cares about oh the the world exists it doesn't exist who cares if we're in the matrix or not uh, it, are we brain in the vat or are we are we mind body soul and spirit and uh, uh we have free will or we don't who cares we, we just cut it off at the knees that that's it so the pragmatic right we, we talk about this within sight it, it doesn't matter where we're at how we how we got here all that matters is that we're here now what are we going to do about it Pragmatist like John Dewey at the beginning of the 20th century says, all these old philosophical problems are worthless. There's no cash value in them. The only thing that really makes a difference is whether you are successful in this world in solving your problems. To be pragmatic, therefore, means to forget the theoretical issues and just get on with solving things. Uh, a, a, a true engineer, like uh, who, who cares what the theory of it is? Give me all the parts. Let's build it. Let's see if it works. And uh, we'll see if we'll get a bike for, for Christmas. If, if, that's right. And if it works, we win, right? right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it says a version of pragmatism that doesn't go uh, you know, far to say that truth is what works is skepticism. The skeptics, he says, uh, says that nobody knows for sure, right? We don't know for sure. Often he turns cynical, the skeptic does, uh, Bonson tells us. The skeptic says, since nobody knows for sure, since we don't know what ultimate values are or what the nature of reality is, the only thing that really counts is getting by in society, not in the pragmatic sense, right, of in terms of let's do what works, but in the more selfish and self-serving sense, right? He says skeptics often uh, became debate coaches in ancient Greek, right? The, the sophists, 
uh, who were skeptical philosophers uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, who said there's no absolute truth. Nobody can know for sure. And so if that's the case, then let's do, we'll teach you how to get your way in the assembly by debating well so that you can accomplish your goals through debating well, since nobody knows for sure and there is no absolute truth. And so what you want is what works for you and we'll show you how to debate well. So right. still at size, right? Right. And and now we've devolved into just cutting off the debating wall. It, we, we just, uh, uh, what is woman? <laughs> well, yeah. woman has the essence of, of, of womanhood. Uh, it's, it's whatever someone claims to be. Uh, I, I don't, I don't have the ability to tell you that, uh, what, what's true for me isn't always true for the person down the street of what a woman is. And so, uh, we're, we're, we're just left there. You know, uh, the, the, we all thought we knew what woman was, but then a person that came along uh, and disagreed with us showed us that, well, their view is just as valid as ours is. And so we, we can't say right or wrong what is. And so this, this almost post postmodern uh, viewpoint is uh, clearly at play, probably uh, even more so than what uh, Bonson probably envisioned, but also probably what, what he thought might've occurred if we continued down the path that he kind of saw at, at, at his time. And so. Right. Right. He was, he was, was speaking and writing in the 1990s. So it's, it was a while ago, although this book, just came out. This is based on lectures that he gave then. Right. Uh, so uh, this this kind of fourth category of philosophy is basically kind of giving up on the big questions of philosophy and just paying attention to what works. I don't care if there is a God or there isn't a God. If, if it is, it doesn't matter to me because I'm just continuing on. Uh, you can't really know anything. I can't know anything. We'll just kind of leave it at that. And it, it doesn't really matter. As long as you don't affect me, I don't affect you. We'll just call it good. And all these big questions don't, don't really matter. Uh, don't really matter. This is overly simplistic, but it's accurate enough for our purposes here is what uh, right. uh, he says. Right. Good. And so then he moves, he says, uh, he moves on kind of, he says, every point of view that you come across will come down to one of these positions or some variant of these various positions. Uh, The people you encounter are going to be monists and think that everything is spiritual or dualist of the idealist or stoic sort or uh, atomist materialist, right? Even thinking that there is free will or that there isn't or pragmatists or skeptics who will say it makes no difference, right? It only matters that we're successful in solving our problems or more cynically, no one knows um, and can know for sure anyway, right? So those are the various positions now that he's kind of laid out and uh, he suggests those are the main things that we'll be running into in terms of worldviews. Yeah, so if there's one thing I know for sure, it's that we cannot know anything. So let's, let's start from there. That's right. <laughs> when you come up against someone who has a different religion from your own, the temptation will be to think that these categories apply only to unbelieving philosophies and not to other religions. But these other religions are also a kind of philosophy, including Christianity. If you treat them as philo- as the philosophies they are, then the method of refutation that he uh, wants to, to suggest here is it will be just as effective with them as with anything else. And so... Uh, uh, this works with the Muslim, this works with uh, the, the, the Jew, this works with uh, uh, the, the Branch Davidian, uh, if, <laughs> if, if, you can, if you can kind of uh, uh, classify people w- within these type of, of worldview, uh, uh, what we call the, the metaphysics, the, the nature of reality, and then uh, the, the epistemology, the, our, our how we know things or how we do things, 
um, th th this will just help us uh, uh, kind of focus our questions and focus uh, where the person's heading. And also we have to realize too that not everyone is uh, fully consistent even within their point of view. And that's not to say, oh, therefore uh, n nothing matters here. It just might not be fully actualized or realized or people might not have thought of these things before. And so um, I, I want to stress almost the utilitarian approach here of, of, of giving people a kind of room to breathe and not, not just focus on one thing and, and, and shut them down here. Oh, you never thought a, 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 a preborn child was, was alive before? Well, therefore, everything else that you possibly say doesn't matter. It's a point of contention, but it's also something that we should uh, give grace to, to allow people to uh, think things through with you. And it's, it's going to be hard for us to, to win people to uh, uh, saving faith uh, by shutting down the conversation if we're not able to get to the gospel, if we're, if we're uh, uh, doing victory laps around them uh, because they don't know the answer to a question. Right, right. I so can use anything. I'm not. I'm not leaving. Right. I'm not putting that in the equation. We're, we're not the arbiter of faith. I'm just saying uh, it makes it harder for us to have that discussion with with other people there. Right. And so he says, you know, religions. You can apply his same uh, methodology, uh, not just to you know unbelieving worldviews, right, atheistic worldviews, but also to various uh, religious uh, perspectives because they're basically philosophies like. Uh, um, the rest of these worldviews. All right, so then uh, what he moves to next now is he's going to give us two ways uh, to uh, consider worldviews, to help us determine whether or not these various worldviews uh, do what they're supposed to do, which is, you know, kind of make sense and work and that sort of thing, right? And so uh, he says, for you to refute a philosophy or a worldview, there are different uh, things that you can do, but two things should be on your mind. And you want to look at the worldview of the opponent and identify these two things, arbitrariness and inconsistency, right? So arbitrariness is, uh, is not allowed, he says, in a uh, philosophical outlook because uh, it, it's, uh, it's not, the outlook isn't rational, right? Uh, it's just a matter of however you happen to feel that day. If you arbitrarily think one Thing this day and arbitrarily think another. Well, that's not rational. It needs to have some basis for why you think and do the things that you think and do. Arbitrariness, he says, gives you no reason for believing that you found the truth. You just arbitrarily, you know, um, think whatever at that particular time. Right. And so he says that is not uh, allowed in a good philosophical uh, outlook or world. Right. Uh, I, I have the belief that uh, if I go outside today, I have to have uh, three balloons uh, um, tied to my wrist. And if I die, uh, that's when I get to go to uh, to uh, paradise for the uh, rest of eternity uh, because I wore those three balloons. Well, why do you believe that? Because uh, because it's today, uh, uh, because that's <laughs> uh, even saying uh, uh, because that's how I feel again. You, that, that person's taking a step back and relying on something. Uh, it's it's not the belief in the balloons in of themselves. It's because I have this reason, and then my actions uh, happen. So uh, again, even even uh, getting to the asking of why uh, helps helps uh, uh, with that. And we're kind of going to cover that here in a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. 
So you need to get to the place where you can say to someone you're witnessing to, why do you believe that? Do you have a reason to think that? Can you account for your claims about this or that? So they might have a reason. Well, uh, uh, I have a reason because uh, dogs bark. That's why I have to uh, uh, wear the balloons. Okay, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to link those two thoughts uh, t- with me, uh, and and uh, or else you're just being arbitrary and you're just you're just kind of uh, th- throwing the 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 mashed potatoes on the wall and hoping something sticks there. Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah, let this out- is, this reminds me of uh, you know the Colombo questions that Greg Coco was was asking uh, in his book on tactics. Mm-hmm. Right. You know um, what do you mean by that? And then you know the question of why do you think that's true? And that this is the second question is what he, you know, getting us to. Right. And if we don't have a good reason for what we believe, if we just believe something arbitrarily then he's, and there's no foundation for it, that is not a good reason to believe something. And therefore, that worldview isn't a good worldview. And when we had Greg Kokel on the show, we asked him kind of, uh, are you a presuppositionalism? And he doesn't claim that title. But it's interesting how often uh, our, our non-presuppositional friends uh, steal from the presuppositional worldview. So <laughs> not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, isn't that interesting? Well, we'll, we'll call it borrowing. Right? Yeah, okay. Stealing is yeah. kind of. Yeah. Stealing is a sin and we don't it's, want to accuse right. other it's, believers. It's morally loaded. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So the next one then uh, is kind of the fun one. It's identifying inconsistencies. Uh, secondly, no one is permitted to be inconsistent. Inconsistency, as James White would say, is a sign of a failed argument. No one is allowed to contradict himself because when he uh, puts together a philosophy, uh, uh, you have to ask, well, why can't you be uh, inconsistent? Because you can prove anything from inconsistent premises. Therefore, if you can prove anything, you it's worthless. It it doesn't it doesn't help you at all uh, uh, when uh, facing tough decisions or hard decisions. Uh, uh, when repeating decisions, what did I do before? Well, you know, what does it matter what you did before? Well, what does it matter asking? Well, what did it doesn't matter that I did before? And so you you kind of uh, are able to 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 not narrow your focus, and so you just allow everything to come in, which still we would say is a type of worldview. Uh, but letting everything in doesn't allow you to make even uh, choices or de- or decisions there. Right. So, you know, so inconsistency, for instance, the probably the uh, the big one that everybody's aware of is the, you know, the law of non-contradiction is extremely inconsistent, but it allows you to believe anything. Right. If you believe that, you know, you can uh, dabble in contradictions, this is a computer and the same thing at the same time is not a computer. Well, you can prove anything by by being inconsistent, and that's the point he's trying to make. So, if a worldview, if a if a claim is inconsistent, you know it has serious problems, right? Yeah. That's that's what he's suggesting. Yeah, uh, that, that that that's that's the one that you write in in the the front of your mind, and and you you want to ask them about that, especially I think. So when there's an inconsistency in a person's philosophy, the the philosophy can conclude anything, and therefore that philosophy is just inconsistent but it's also arbitrary. Right, right. So if you can prove anything, then that's kind of an arbitrary kind of uh, position. Right. Finally, he, uh, he says that no matter what the worldview or argument for worldview, the foundational principles of apologetics remain the same. On what ultimate foundation does the worldview rest, right? How is that foundation accounted for? 
And so he says, in the end, the autonomous man must be pressed to explain and account for the logic that's being used uh, to build that particular worldview. So that's what he wants us to see. You have to get to help them to see what their foundation is, and then does their foundation help them to account for what they say they believe, right? So that's, that's, and so that's kind of how he ends this chapter. And now he's going to move into the next chapter. And it, it is uh, going to uh, be a critique of atheism, is what right. he tells us. And so we're going to look at the foundation of atheism and see if it can uh, work through the various questions that he asked us to raise with regard to a worldview. Right. Yep. Uh, and and so the that's uh, one of the the factors uh, of going through uh, this book and 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 seeing that it's not just for atheists because uh, obviously we we've talked about Hinduism we've talked about all these uh, various philosophies uh, and some that cer- uh, certain atheists would hold to uh, some wouldn't uh, and so uh, it gives you a good uh, you know I think he called it a grid, a grid set. To kind of say, uh, you know, here's the Overton window. Are are you a, 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 a left of a, a center uh, socialist, and so you you put the peg there, or are you someone that believes uh, all matters align, so you you uh, put the peg uh, there as well. So again, uh, the the back of the chapter has a really good set of definitions uh, for a quick reference, uh, especially if you're you're taking notes, uh, um, you know, uh, copying um, copying those down and kind of. Uh, uh, getting them in your head uh, uh, really helps you. And also just uh, kind of plotting them out e- even on your own um, uh, f- framework um, um, might be might be helpful as well if, uh, if you're uh, just new to, to kind of looking at this. And uh, of course, the, the questions in the, in the back of each chapter uh, uh, are good um, uh, group study questions, uh, but also good kind of, uh, am, I, am I confident that I understand uh, this, this chapter well? Or go back to uh, the beginning of these two episodes that uh, you've listened to and uh, um, listen to them again. Uh, can also, uh, on your way, maybe if you want to, thumbs up, subscribe, uh, leave us comments, uh, leave us reviews, uh, anything to uh, to to uh, go against the evil genie that doesn't want you to uh, to listen to challenging podcasts or uh, uh, apologetics uh, uh, to, to understand that uh, God is not an evil genie, and uh, the the one that tells you, did God really say, uh, might be the uh, first villain of uh, kind of the first three pages of the of the good book. And so, uh, <laughs> that, you know, show 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 your your rebellion by by uh, by uh, liking these episodes. So, <laughs> so we thank you for uh, joining us. Um, you can always go to caveofthecross.com. Uh, to see past episodes uh, in the middle of the page, there's all the books that we've done. Click on those books, take you to the interviews that we've done. We can take you to each um, chapter that we've done. We also have uh, uh, book reviews and the short clips are on there. Uh, not for everything. Uh, hopefully someday when I have free time, if I understand what free time is at one point in time. And uh, <laughs> and those you'll be able to find on there as well. Uh, you can share them and uh, um, uh, get all the um, uh, uh book uh, suggestions that we have for each uh, episode that we talk about um, and any uh, um, external videos that uh, we kind of uh, point to or any uh, other websites. So um, that's all we got for you for this chapter. And so next time we'll take down uh, uh, th- those who say uh, in their hearts that there is no God. And so we'll, we'll see. Do you really? Do you really say yeah. that? <laughs> so thanks for joining right. us and we'll see you next time.
See you next time.